folks, my name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. On this week, we are talking with producer, host, and founder of the amazing podcast, BIPOC Credits Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about what this podcast is aiming to do. They are aiming to educate new and hopeful BIPOC filmmakers and crew members on the various roles involved on a professional film set, helmed by British Columbia native Andy Wong, who himself is a working assistant director in the Directors Guild of Canada. Each episode consists of conversations about what new crew members can expect on the job, challenges they may face, and the changing landscape of diversity that has influenced their journey. And let me tell you, you know, I've listened to a number of episodes of the BIPOC Credits podcast, and I was absolutely amazed just thinking about all of the different opportunities. Um, I think if you are a teacher of IB film, this episode is going to be really powerful. So let me tell you about the two folks who are sharing with us today. Andy Wong, Andy started in the film industry a decade ago, aspiring to be the next John Cho. However, due to the lack of opportunities for Asian actors back then, he decided to create opportunities for himself by going to film school where he learned the various positions on a film set. He soon found himself working behind the scenes and accelerated from a production assistant into an assistant director in the span of just two years. He now hopes to educate and maybe even inspire the members of the BIPOC community considering work in the booming film industry. Alongside Andy today is Nightingale Nguyen, co-founder of nonprofit organization Building the Gap in Motion in 2018. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Nightingale created Quarantine Capsule to archive counter-narratives of the Asian-Canadian experience during this time via artistic expression. In 2021, Nightingale directed, produced, and wrote Vice Asian-Canadian Mental Health docuseries entitled Breaking Ground. She's also Andy's self-proclaimed second brain as an FYI. Lots of links over there in the show notes if you are interested in learning more about Andy or Nightingale. And of course, episodes that are going to help you and your students explore their incredible show, BIPOC Credits Podcast. Welcome to our program, Andy and Nightingale. BIPOC Credits is an educational podcast in several different ways. Just in terms of the varied pathways into the film industry, there are, the show's amazing. You put a spotlight on how the film industry is seeking to become more diverse in front of as well as behind the camera. I'm wondering if you can talk to us about the origin for how the podcast came to be. And I'm so glad that we have both producer and host of the show to talk about um, kind of those early days of when the idea was was just born. Um, I, I'll start with this one because uh, this this idea, this concept of BIPOC credits actually came from several stages of my life. And uh, it all started when I was in high school and I was in one of those like career courses and um, there weren't a lot of careers uh, in film that were suggested to me, even though at the time I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be work in film. And so in a sense, it was a little bit discouraging, but in another sense, 
I I was also inspired to try to prove them wrong kind of thing, right? <laughs> as as we as artists do. We all want to be the exception. We all want to be the exception. <laughs> and and so um uh yeah, I just kind of carried through in pursuing acting and um learning, you know, how to uh, how to make films and then um in university uh I I learned uh, how to make films but um at the time I didn't really uh I didn't really like know how to get into the industry I'm just I was taking this class you know the more uh, it, you know I just figured like the more I made films the more I would know what to do and surely enough once I got out of uh school I found I found a, a, a good opportunity to, you know, just start PAing, um, and PAing means a production production assistant. assistant. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I, I found a, a good production assistant job that um, uh, just kind of got me started, um, and because of my filmmaking experience in school, uh, the the people who were on the production saw kind of my work ethic and everything, and gave me a chance to get into assistant directing. Um, during that time, though, um, I still wanted to make films and stuff and and found it hard keeping up with all the events and deadlines that were coming up and found myself like missing a lot of it, um, even though I wanted to, you know, pursue the grants or pursue, you know, the uh, film festivals and stuff like that. And so, um, uh, you know, skip, skip over a few years and uh, I've like, uh, done a bit of work in the film industry. I've made myself. Uh, I'm kind of in the second assistant director position, which is more in charge of like um, managing um, the team and uh, actually helping uh, make the film by scheduling the days. Um, and at that point, I felt really fortunate to you know be in the position that I was in, and I was also hearing how there was a, a real need for new workers because of how busy it was getting. And so this idea came up of wanting to help the film industry by um, educating people who were either moving up really fast or wanted to get into the film industry. And then at the same time, kind of helping my younger self and like, you know, inspiring myself to, um, know that there's more than just actor director producer there's other way other areas in film that could also be really exciting um including assistant directing which is what i do now you know i think for listeners of the show in education sometimes i think if you're outside of that industry it seems like oh there's school leadership there's the teachers that's it and actually you know mm -hmm. a school does not function without its custodial staff it does not function mm -hmm. often without its board without teacher assistance without the counseling support there's lots of other support roles that often they don't get the the due or the credit that that, that is needed and actually as Absolutely, an educator, yeah. like the more I understand what folks in other roles are doing, the better I can be at my job. So I wonder too, you know, even for the listener who's thinking, okay, I hear him, but 100% I want to be a producer or I definitely yeah. want to be a director. Like, would you say there's still value in director understanding what a makeup artist does, what the, you know, what the stunt crew does, what folks in special effects have to do? Like, what's the value in also just 
learning more about the nuances of some of these, I think, like lesser known roles? Yeah, absolutely. That's also part of um, why I wanted to start this podcast is because as a producer myself and, um, you know, being in these like leadership positions like directing and producing, um, the more you know about how the other departments work, the more it helps you plan out your days, like schedule out your days, for example, or, you know, know how much something costs. So then um, you can budget other areas in accordingly. So like all of that information is incredibly helpful in, in understanding, you know, the big scope of it, which is essentially what you have to do as a director and as a producer. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I I really feel like <clears throat> even if somebody just scrolls through former episodes, the sense that they get for, you know, the average film, how many different folks are a part of that collaboration is yeah. kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot, not necessarily enough, but a lot of conversation that's happening about how film and TV needs better representation. And I'm aware of how that conversation often just talks about casting, right? Especially we're coming up to Oscars and, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. uh, often like casting. But your first two seasons really expand on that discussion. You speak with a makeup artist, a grip, a voice actor, many, many others. And I feel like what you're creating is, again, this great beautiful archive that speaks volumes about how collaborative of an endeavor it is to bring a film to an audience. Can you speak more about some of the jobs that you've highlighted on the podcast that you think young adults need to learn more about? You know, again, listeners of this show, we've got K-12 educators, and many of them will be able to take one one of these episodes yeah. and, and point it out for, for students. So thinking about that grade 10, 11, 12 student who might be interested, curious about the film industry. Um, I hate to do that thing of just pick one or two episodes <laughs> when you have so many great ones. Yeah. Um, but with, with that lens of somebody who's thinking like, I'm thinking about going into the film industry, but as you said, you don't necessarily want them to have tunnel vision of just think about it as this one role. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping I can choose more than one, but go for uh, it thank yes. you so much actually for for your kind words as well um it, it's uh yeah it, it touches my heart to hear that someone thinks is such a great archive because that was that's the intention and and i'm glad it's coming across um uh, i think one of the episodes that i i would recommend is with my friend um joshua lamb uh who was a production coordinator for an animation studio at the time and um, the reason why is because uh, he's um, he he just got out of university in order to uh, um, get into this job, and so there was a bit of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. and there was um, also like a bamboo ceiling that he was that he took some time, um, trying to you know break through, and I think just coming out of high school, um, I think a lot of people will experience these things. Uh, you know, um, you know, you you have this uh, inclination as just being a kid, right? And you know, coming out and and that transitional period, um, is uh yeah definitely a, a interesting topic to uh, discuss and try to figure out how to um be confident enough to break through it. 
Um, so yeah, uh, my uh, my episode with Joshua Lamb is definitely one I would uh, recommend for that. And then um, there's also another one uh, which you mentioned earlier with um, uh, our makeup artist uh, Miel and Ahe, and uh, that's one of my favorite favorites because um, as we're talking about, like so so much of the attention is brought to actors, but without actors or without makeup artists actors won't look as good as they look. And so it's such a key role that not a lot of people think about. And on top of that, um, sometimes people dismiss on set. And so really bringing, uh, bringing light as to, you know, the work they actually do, they, the, the things that they actually have to think about was really interesting to me when I was um, having that conversation with them. On top of that, with the, um, uh, increase in diverse stories coming out. Um, she also highlights how important it is to hire someone that actually knows how to do the work that is required for these different uh, type of faces and different types of hair. Like someone who doesn't know how to do black hairstyles, for example, shouldn't be hired to do black hair. Which seems like seems pretty common sense, but before the last couple of years, um, this was barely something that producers thought about, and it's it, it's great that it's now coming to light. But yeah, it's uh, still a, a work in progress for that. Yeah, I have to say, actually, that was my favorite episode. So I'm glad you pointed folks to it. And listeners, I'll I'll have the direct link to both of those episodes in the show notes to make it really easy to find them. Um, you That's know, great. I, uh, Knight, what, what was your uh, favorite episode? Oh, I've <laughs> got a few. Um, I would say Irma Leong is really cool because she's a stunt coordinator and it's about challenging what it means to cast diverse faces because like, yes, we do want diversity. We do want representation. But then like, do you put representation first before safety? Hmm. Yeah. So it's challenging that and and that's why stunts is now synonymous with safety because you know people's lives are on the line and even though the result looks great safety comes first before anything else. So that was really interesting and for friends in high school who want to write we also have a showrunner episode for those who want to write and for those who love spending time on the computer we also have Bouquet Biles who is a post production coordinator on lots of shows like uh, Snowpiercer and whatnot and she talks about her journey from being in a film industry from Turkey and then going to a whole other country. And I think that's really inspira inspirational. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I my comments earlier about why I think this archive is so powerful is because not only the range of different roles, but the story approach, you know, I think for young folks who are thinking about potential future careers, it's those stories I think that really do give insight into is this something I would be interested in? Like, right. you know, the day-to-day -day work, um, you know, because again, I'm thinking about your makeup artist and they were talking about kind of like the intimacy of that work. And as someone yeah. completely outside of the film industry, <laughs> I had never thought about that before, right? And it's something that yeah. seems so obvious that, yes, literally like working on, and I, I'll use the, the the term that I learned from the episode, that person, like the look, creating the look mm -hmm. with that person, mm -hmm. how, of course, incredibly intimate and vulnerable that kind of work would be. I'm wondering yeah. with any of the episodes you just pointed out, you know, for me, it would be, okay, I should really only consider being a makeup artist if 
I'm comfortable in that situation too, of like really having yeah, that right. one-to-one in- intimacy, right? Like I'm actually quite introverted that I would not be good yeah. at that job. I also have no idea anything about makeup. So there's a whole bunch of reasons yeah. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but the other right. roles that you were mentioning, are there any other like mindsets or skills that you're thinking, this is so crucial to that job, but if you've never done it, you might not necessarily even realize it matters, right? Or that's it's yeah. an important component of doing that work. Do you want to touch on maybe something that comes out in any of those episodes you pointed to or any of the episodes full stop? Well, I guess I just want to point out that the one thing that people don't really realize about the film industry is that it's so intersectional. So like almost any job is actually part of the film industry. Like if you're into accounting and money, then maybe you can work on payroll and maybe one day you'll sign off on Ryan Reynolds's future paychecks. <laughs> Right. And if you like cooking, then you can work in the catering department. So that way you can help feed all the staff and crew. So I think like no matter what skill set you have, it can be applied to the film industry. Absolutely. But to add on that, like um, it's also really important to understand where you fall in that in that um, spectrum, um, because because there's so many different jobs out there, um, you're you're bound to fall somewhere. But um, finding the right position can mean that you know you really love your job, or you it, or it becomes a lot harder for you. Um, and so I guess like that was also part of why I wanted to create this as well, so that people can get that information before they start their first day on set, so that you know accidents don't happen, or you know miscommunications doesn't happen. Um, or people don't burn out, which is something that I've mm. done. So yeah, um, I think uh, um, to answer your question about one p- particular job, um, I can talk to talk about is uh, actually my own as an assistant director. Um, I think there are uh, assistant directors out there who aren't very good communicators and don't really like uh, like listening and understanding people but just like to talk and um uh, like boss people around which um is a huge misconception about the job um and uh in my opinion <laughs> i'm sure other people might disagree with me but um um in order to you know do the job of assistant directing well um you have to listen to people and uh understand what it is they're actually saying um and what and thereby you can create a solution out of that. And it's not necessarily just like, you know, ordering people what to do. It's about telling people what to expect and then listening to um, how they react to that information and then adjusting from that. And I think that is what makes me really excited about the job, but it's not what makes a lot of other people very excited about about the job. And like understanding that element of it will help, you know, bring good people into the assistant directing job. I think what also applies to I think every job is learning to zoom out of a situation because some people get so like, offended taking things personally and then we also have to remember that sometimes in the film industry you work 12 16 let's just say maybe 18 hours a day for five days a week so there's very little sleep and then you have like another day where you have to do an overnight all-nighter so that's not really fun so it's also just like zooming out just to remember like you're a part of a bigger picture and to calm down and remember that this is a team 
team exercise. Team exercise, yeah. Mm, yeah, that emotional management piece I could see when you're running low on sleep and then also, you know, the deadline component, I guess. But, you know, it's interesting because you and I were talking before we hit record about your experience as an IB, International Baccalaureate student. And I'm yeah. wondering uh, for either of you, how well you feel like your high school, middle school years kind of prepared you for some of this, like as you were talking about the, you know, the, the 12, 15, 16 hour days, you know, often DP students will talk about just that end of second year study run up where unfortunately they're also not prioritizing or able to prioritize sleep in the way that they would like. But I love that idea of zooming out, remembering what's important and remembering that like, this is a whole network that's trying to bring this film together is, is really great. But do you feel like in some ways that was something that you were able to learn in your formative years? Or do you feel like actually that, that really just had to happen from on the job experience? Was there any foundation? I'm asking because, uh, you know, for teachers who are thinking, how can I help prepare students who might be going into a work environment that does feel very high pressure, uh, very high stakes, and at the same time is super collaborative. So students need to be able to navigate their own emotions and the emotions of others in order to do their jobs. Is there anything that you think high school, middle school teachers can be doing to help students understand or prepare for that? Coming out of IB, I was very lucky to have a community of teachers. And we were, became our own little community and our teachers created our own little community where we would have like certain days just for the IB students. And I think like having that like comfortability to like sit down and talk with the teacher about like, hey, I need to take some time off because there's too much work or I don't understand something and I'm being afraid to ask for help or just to say, I don't understand this. I need you to help me so I can actually deliver this higher level English essay, the extended essay, for example. So almost like that self-advocacy, right? Like practicing, yeah. like knowing when you have to say enough or knowing when, you know, when you have to ask for help. Like, I feel like that's what I'm hearing you say, like, is really yeah, for important sure. for folks to learn to do. Yeah, I know it's difficult in high school because you're still like going through the motions, but I think slowly developing that self-awareness or having like a good friend to call you out on certain things mm -hmm. is just very helpful. Great, thanks. The podcast also has a newsletter component that I want to point lesson, uh, listeners to. Uh, you're sharing resources. Can you talk a little bit about how newsletter subscribers can take their learning further when they sign up? Because again, uh, maybe a teacher is sharing this with a student and they're saying, hey, and wait, there's more. Uh, what can they find <laughs> when they also sign up for that newsletter? Oh my gosh, there's like hours that goes into this newsletter. So expect a lot. So when we release our episodes, we also have information from our guests and our guests also attach resources that they personally use. So that way others can learn more about the job. Like for example, for an actor, they'll send out a list of like all the books that they refer to when they're acting and videos and whatnot. And so we have information from our guests, such as websites, links, and more about their job. We also have a list of upcoming festivals, discount codes, events, grant opportunities, mentorships, more based in BC, but there's also resources that are virtual and Canada-wide as we do have subscribers from the States and beyond. So if you can't participate in a few programs, there's a few virtual places and resources so that way you can still learn more about the film industry. And it's also free to subscribe because we want to alleviate any financial burden to anyone because university is already expensive. Paying for transit is expensive. So let's just alleviate all that. And 
back to what Andy was saying beginning, it was just created just to keep track of everything that's happening. And if folks want to explore more databases, there's Creative Pathways, Culture Brew Art, BIPOC TV and Film that have other resources that are also updated as well. Again, it's just really generous that you're not only putting together this great podcast, which is really informative, educational, you've got the newsletter as well. So for listeners who would like to say thanks in some way, shape or form for all of that, like free education that you're providing, um, you know, is it, hey, you know, like endorse the podcast, leave us a five star review, uh, you know, what, what else would you like? To any forms of gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Follow the Instagram. Um, yeah, leave us a five-star review. That really helps. And uh, follow the newsletter because, you know, we we also want to, you know, be able to keep in touch with people and all that, um, which you can do with uh, Instagram and newsletter. That's uh, that's our that's our method. Great. I'll be sure again to link to all of that in the show notes. For somebody who's listening and they're thinking, we'd love like a deep dive and we'd love to actually support you financially by paying for you to be a virtual speaker for our students. I don't know if that's something that you have done or you would consider doing, but if there's a listener who would like to reach out and connect with you about that as a possibility, what's the best way for them to do that? Email. Email. Yeah. yeah. Um, email or, uh, yeah. yeah, email. Email would be best. BIPOC.podcast. I mean, no, at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And again, I will be sure to include that in the show notes as well. We we have some uh, things cooking up that we're not quite allowed to say yet. Ooh, for okay. season three. For season three. So um, yeah, really exciting. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll actually keep that a secret. But please check out our latest episode uh, that actually interviewed me. Um, to, I interviewed you. She interviewed me um, talking about the assistant director position and also um, what we learned in the podcast so far. And it, if you're interested in the podcast, it's definitely a great episode to listen to, to just get a better understanding of what we're all about. And also, if you're interested in planning and producing and ABing, that's the episode to listen to as well. Also, yeah. just because we're done the season doesn't mean that we're completely done. We are always invited to different festivals and events, and we yeah. love saying hi to everybody. Yeah. If you uh, follow the Instagram, um, well, we we often post uh, on our stories uh, of what events that we'll be attending, things like that. So you can keep up that way as well. Our Great. story is also updated with tons of events from other organizations, so you don't miss out on anything. Yeah. Great. So a great way to build that network if you're interested in going into the film industry. I also have to say, like, just as somebody who loves watching film, it's a really informative podcast that I feel like is also changing the way that I see movies. And it has me thinking again <laughs> about like the art and the craft and all of the details and how that comes together. So please do be sure to check out the podcast, leave them that review, follow them on social media. Nice and easy. Everything is over there in the show notes. Both of you, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this podcast. Um, and I look forward to that mystery news. I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Trisha. Listeners, as always, thank you for giving up some of your week to listen to the podcast. To learn more about the work that I do, you can head on over to allied.org. That's A-L-L-Y-E-D dot org. See you next Thursday.